everyone, welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Colin and we're so glad you joined us today. Whether you're here in person or watching online, we consider you part of our family and we'd love to connect with you. If you're here in person, you can scan this QR code to fill out your guest card or your connect card. If you're watching us online, you can fill it out at spirit.church/connect or spirit.church/guest. This is a great way for you to get connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center after this experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for joining us today. If you're a guest, feel no pressure to give. But if you're here and you would like to give, here's three ways that you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the Commons area. You can give online on our website at spirit.church. Or you can use our Church Center app. Spirit Church, it's because of your generosity that we're able to reach the least, the last, and the lost. Now, I've got a few announcements for you. You and your family are invited to join us next Sunday on Christmas Eve for Jesus' birthday party. At 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m., we will gather together in the worship center for a special service of celebration. There will be no Spirit Kids or Spirit Kids Junior, so feel free to bring your kids in with you to join the party. On Sunday, December 31st, our worship experiences will be online only. We encourage you to worship with your family from the comfort of your home at 9.30 or 11 a.m. And lastly, if you memorize this month's In the Vault text, don't forget to stop by the quotation stations in the comments before you leave. Spirit Church, we love you. Thanks for listening. Now, check out this video. Hello, Spirit Church. This is Bruce McCarty, pastor of Wasso First Assembly. I am so looking forward to being with you for your Revive Prayer Conference on Friday, January the 5th. As we start a new year, I'm going to be looking at the story of Elijah and lessons for a powerful prayer life. My wife, Janet, and I are so excited to be with you on that night, and we can't wait to see you. Be sure to be there on that Friday, January 5th for the Revive Prayer Conference. Well, good morning, Spirit Church. How's everyone doing? Good. We are so excited that you're here this morning. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Are you in the Christmas spirit already? Yes. If you weren't, Bonita McNall's amazing music in the comments probably put you in the mood. Can we thank her for that? Awesome ministry she's been doing all month long. Speaking of special music, it doesn't get much better than this That's morning. That's right. This morning, our worship team has put together a fabulous presentation that will draw us into the Lord's presence and help us focus on the true reason that we celebrate Christmas. Yeah, and we want you to be a part of it. This isn't a concert for you to watch. This is a worship experience for you to participate in. Now, we want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to participate. Some of you snuck in and did not receive a candle when you came in. So if you're in and you don't have a candle, you're probably realizing it about right now. But if you lift your hands, we have ushers that are going to come by and they're going to make sure that you have a candle. You're going to want this in a few minutes. Now, if you're like me, try to refrain from turning it on until we instruct you to turn it on. Sean and others who are here, we'll give you the right cue and the right opportunity to turn that on. But we want our whole church family to do that and to have an opportunity to participate. Thank you, ushers, for helping us. I'm going to invite all of us to stand, if we could, as we prepare to begin this worship experience. One thing that we love to do as a church family is to pray the Lord's Prayer together. It just unifies our hearts. It reminds us of how Jesus taught us to pray. It promotes unity here in the body and the family. And so we're going to begin. I've asked Robin to come and to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. 
bow your hearts with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can we put our hands together and bless the Lord this morning? Come on. He's worthy of our praise. Now again, some of these songs this morning are going to be familiar to you. You're going to know them. Feel free to sing along and join in with our team. Some of these are going to be new worship songs for you. Let the spirit of these songs, let the, the person, the Savior who these songs are about, touch your heart and fill your life. You can be seated as we begin this morning. God bless you.
the name of Jesus. Can we do that? His name is worthy to be praised. He is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and our prince of peace. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And through the process called incarnation, you chose to leave the splendor of heaven and come to earth. You came as a precious baby boy to live amongst us, to die for our sins, that we might have eternal life. This morning, we praise you for your indescribable gift. How great is your name. How worthy you are. Praise the Lord with me. Let all that I am praise his holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you're seated. That song, Joy to the World, written as a poem in 1719, set to music in 1836. It's actually based off of Psalm chapter 98. Something that we miss sometimes is that many of our Christmas carols are actually written from the words of Scripture. Psalm 98, verse 4, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise, rejoice, and sing praise. Verses 7 and 8 of that same chapter, Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands, and let the hills be joyful together. Can we do just what that song said one more time? Lord, we give joy to the Lord. Thank you for what you have done for us. We rejoice. We rejoice. You have made us glad. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. And today we are celebrating the joy that Jesus gives us. The third verse of that song, Joy to the World, that our team just sang for you has one of my favorite lines of the entire Christmas season. He rules the world with truth and with grace. And he makes the nations prove the glory of his righteousness and the wonder of his love. 
Our series this month in December has been all about the wonder of our Savior, that we're in awe of who Jesus is, in awe of the gift that He gave to us, in awe of the grace that He provides for us. This morning, we're in awe of the glory of our Savior, the one who would come from heaven to earth. And as they sang those words from our In the Vault text this morning, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, you can stay seated. Normally we stand for this part, but it says to us a child has been born and a son has been given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. Why don't you say this part with me? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace goes on to say that his government and its peace will never end. That he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. These verses that we've been studying and, 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 and reading from as a church family remind us and demonstrate to us the glory of God, the glory of our Savior Jesus. Let's back up for a second and ask ourselves the question, what is glory? It's not a word that we talk about much outside of church circles. The dictionary defines the word glory as splendor or honor or brightness. And it's very appropriate because John chapter 1 and verse 14 talks about Jesus coming to earth and it says the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And then it says, we have seen His glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. In a biblical context, the word glory is the word doxa. It means splendor or brightness or radiance. So in other words, when John writes this verse to us, he's writing that we have seen the magnificence of Jesus with our very own eyes. In this passage, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, as we have studied it, it gives us four adjectives that help our earthly, our finite minds to conceptualize who Jesus is. It says in Isaiah 9, 6, He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And before we discuss those four unique phrases, I want to turn you atten your attention to the word called. He will be called. The word called means to shout or to proclaim. It means that when we think about Jesus and who He is and all that He has done for us, we declare and we proclaim who He is. We declare that He is a wonderful counselor. That's the first phrase that Isaiah uses to describe Jesus. Wonderful comes from the biblical word Pele. It's only used in the Bible to describe God. It's never used to describe something human or something of this earth. It's a supernatural word. Pele is something that is marvelous or astonishing or astounding. It's unusually extraordinary. A marvelous thing that causes a feeling or an attitude of intense amazement. It's only used about 15 times in the Old Testament. And it refers to something that's supernatural, miraculous, if you will. Something that exceeds our expectations. So when we say that Jesus is our wonderful counselor, Isaiah is telling us that he is a counselor who exceeds all of our human expectations. It shouldn't be any surprise to us because that's exactly what Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20 tells us. 
It says, now all glory, there's that word again, all doxa, all honor and splendor to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more. Again, he exceeds our expectations. Infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. We're in awe that Jesus came as our wonderful counselor, but we're also in awe that he came as a mighty God. And the word mighty obviously might mean manly or vigorous, a military hero or a champion. It means one who fights our battles, but who always wins when he fights our battles. When we say that Jesus is a mighty God, we're declaring that he is superior, that he exerts strength, that he is stronger, that he always prevails. It was David in Psalm 18 that wrote about the Lord and said, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield. He is the power that saves me. He is my place of safety. We're in awe of the wonderful counselor. We're in awe of the glory of the mighty God, but we're also in awe that we have an everlasting father. That word everlasting, you probably already guessed, it means eternal, forever and ever, continual, always for an unlimited amount of time. He knew no beginning and he knows no end. Colossians chapter one, verses 15, 16, and 17 remind us of this truth. It says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and he is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. But note the last part of this verse where the Bible tells us everything was created through him, through Jesus, and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all of creation together. We're in awe of the fact that he's not just a wonderful counselor. We're in awe that he's not just a mighty God, not just an everlasting father, but we are in awe of the glory of the one who is the Prince of Peace. A prince is one who is in charge, who oversees with authority. A prince is the chief, the ruler, the official, the captain, a representative of the king, an official commander. And we don't have just any prince. We have the prince of peace. And I can't think of a more appropriate season for us to need peace than this season. And it's because of what he has done that we don't just have peace when it's chaotic or peace when the shopping lines are long or peace when we're trying to prepare and coordinate meals for families. We have peace because he is our prince, which means his dad is the king, which means we are heirs and recipients of his blessings. And that's why Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 say, Therefore, we have been made right in God's sight by faith because of that, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And because of our faith, God has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing 
God's glory. There's that word doxa again. His radiance, his splendor, his brilliance. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's a prince of peace. Isaiah chapter 9 was written 700 years before Jesus came from heaven to earth. And Isaiah wrote confidently under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that our Messiah, our Savior, would be those four things. A mighty God, an everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace, a wonderful Counselor. And the question that is posed to us upon reading this scripture is, do you believe? Do you believe that He is who Isaiah said He would be? Do you believe that He is who He says He is? You see, it's not a new question. One of the most underappreciated yet principal characters in the Christmas story is Joseph the earthly father of Jesus we see and we hear about him at the beginning of Jesus's life but then he kind of slips off of the scene after that Joseph would have heard the words from Isaiah chapter 9 he would have known that a Messiah was coming but until the angel spoke to him He couldn't have realized that the prophecy of a wonderful counselor and a mighty God and an everlasting father and a prince of peace would be a prophecy about his son, about the baby that he, along with Mary, were to raise. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 tell us this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, and while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to to break the engagement quietly. The very next verse, verse 20 says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Think with me, imagine with me, if you will, for just a moment, Joseph, the humble carpenter, now being asked to raise the Messiah, the Savior. He's tasked as the earthly father of our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our Prince of Peace. He was asked Do you believe? And we see that Joseph chose to believe in his role. He chose to believe in his son. And Joseph chose to believe in his Savior.
It's a question we all have to answer. Do we believe? It's the wonder and the miracle of Christmas that we see and we hear about so often. You know, it was in 1818 in Austria, there was a group of actors that were traveling from town to town. On December the 23rd of that year, they showed up in a small village near Salzburg. They were supposed to perform the nativity, the reenactment of the Christmas story there in that village. At the church of St. Nicholas, however, the organ was broken. And they found out that the organ wouldn't be able to be repaired until after Christmas. So rather than performing in the church, 
the actors went to a small house nearby. One of the people that was at that house was the assistant pastor of the church, a man named Joseph Moore. Joseph Moore watched that production that night. He was spellbound as the nativity story was reenacted right before him. As he left that evening, he took the long way home. Rather than going directly to his house, he stopped at a cliff overlooking the village. And it was like a scene from a Christmas card, snow-capped roofs that were there. As he stopped and paused in the chill of the night air, he remembered the words to a poem he had written several years before. He did such a beautiful job of reminding us of the silent night that Jesus was born. That when he came from heaven to earth, it was his light that stepped into our darkness. That his light began to shine as our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and our prince of peace. This morning as a way of remembering all that Christ has done for us, would you please illuminate your candles at this moment? Would you stand with us all across this house if you're able? Together as our trio leads us, let's remember the light of Jesus which has filled our hearts and our lives.
my life, my praise, everything I own to you, Lord Jesus. You are the king who sits on a manger throne. If you would be so kind as to bow your head in this moment. The king who once sat on a manger throne now wants to sit on the throne of your heart. He wants to make your heart his home. He is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and our prince of peace. For those of us who know him and who have a relationship with Jesus, those words are life-changing. But for those in the room who might say, I'm far from God, I'm distant from him, today those words could also be life-changing. I want to invite you, not on behalf of myself, our church, our worship team, on behalf of Jesus, would you accept his invitation today? Would you receive him as Savior and Lord? Would you open your heart to him? What a wonderful moment that would be this Christmas season. You might be here this morning and say, I, I did that at one point in time, but I'm not that person anymore. I, I'm different. I've changed. It's okay because God hasn't changed. The Bible tells us he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who came as our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father and prince of peace is still the same. He wants to make your heart his home. We do that by simply saying yes to Jesus, by receiving his gift of salvation, by receiving the grace that he offers to us, encountering his glory in our lives. Today, if you're here and you would like to say yes to Jesus, whether this is a new decision for you or you just know there are some changes and some things in your life that need to be different and you need to once again commit yourself to the Lord, I won't embarrass you. I simply want to pray with you and for you in this moment. Would you just slip up your hand right now and try to make eye contact with me so I know who I'm praying for? Thank you. I've seen hands that have gone up all over the building in literally almost every section. Thank you so much for those of you who are courageously responding this morning. You might be watching this online. You can respond as well. Simply put the word yes in that chat box, however you're watching us today. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And those that lifted their hands this morning, those that sent in the word, yes, you are affirming your belief in Jesus. Well, the Bible says there also needs to be that confession. And that's what we've come to now is that moment of confession where we declare. Remember, Isaiah said he will be called. That's a word of proclamation. So there's got to be a declaration that's made from your heart. I'm going to ask all of us in the room and those who are watching us online, maybe you're even listening to us on the radio this morning. Could we all join together in praying this prayer of confession to the Lord? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. And today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. 
I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's the best Christmas gift that we could ever receive is the gift of eternal life offered through Jesus Christ. And it doesn't have to be Christmas time for us to do it, but since it is, I can't think of a more appropriate opportunity for us to receive communion together. You probably picked up the elements when you came in, but if you did not, it's okay. Once again, our ushers are here to serve you. If you just slip up a hand where you're seated, they'll quickly make their way to you so that you can participate. We, we like to say this is an open communion, which means you don't need to be a member of this church to participate, but you should be a member of the family of God. And we just made an opportunity for that to be available to you. It's a special communion time for our church family today as this is our Christmas Sunday. We'll obviously be together next week, but today is just such a, a sacred and special opportunity for us to give all the worship and focus and attention to Jesus. I want to share with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's a passage of scripture I read often when we take communion together as a church family. It says that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples and he said take and eat for this is my body which is given for you so this morning if you would peel that layer back and pull out that piece of bread before we receive it together could we follow the example of Jesus and we could we give thanks to God come on in your own way give thanks to the Lord for his body Jesus thank you for dying for me thank you for living for me thank you for coming from heaven to earth for us, how great, how deep, how incomprehensible is your love. It's a love like we've never experienced. And thank you that we are reminded of it today as we receive this communion together. What a privilege and what an opportunity to rejoice and remember who you are and what you have done for us. Because of your life, because of your death, because of your resurrection, everything has changed. Everything has changed. Literally from the moment of your birth, the whole world changed. You brought life and your life gave light to all mankind. The Bible says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Thank you for your life, for your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you receive that with me? very next passage there of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse number 23, it says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he said, this cup is the new covenant, an agreement confirmed with my blood. And as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he returns again. And this morning, we know that this is just grape juice that has been placed inside of a container, but what it represents is so much more powerful. It represents freedom. It represents victory. It represents new life that is available in Christ Jesus. Before we partake, before we even peel the lid back, would you join me in giving him thanks? Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood, that from the moment of your birth, because you were fully God and fully man, you knew that you would suffer and die for us. 
Even in the last moments of your life, you prayed to your Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we thank you that you were willing to pray that prayer, that you were willing to not only be born for us and live for us, you were willing to die for us and to shed your blood that our sin might be forgiven. You paid a penalty and a debt that you did not owe. And because of your blood, we are uh, made right in your sight. Because of your blood, our bodies are healed. Because of your blood, addictions and bondages are broken. And so this morning, I thank you that that is being done now in Jesus' name. For the one who's here that bo whose body is infirmed or whose emotions are struggling or wrecked, I just speak healing through the blood of Jesus. For the one here who is addicted, and in bondage to a behavior or a lifestyle or a substance, we declare freedom in the authority of the blood of Jesus, that that which held them has no power. You have broken those chains and they are forever free. We thank you that your blood has never lost its power. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you peel that back and let's receive that together. And then if you would set that down somewhere nearby you. And would you join me in whatever way feels most comfortable for you? I, I'm going to lift my hands, but don't let that intimidate you. Can we give him all the thanks and the glory and the praise in this house? Jesus, we honor you and we thank you. Worthy is your name. Glory be to you alone, the King who reigns from a manger throne and from the throne of our hearts both now and forevermore. We give you all the honor and all the praise for only you are worthy. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the one who was and is and is to come. You are the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. We are in awe of you, Jesus. You are our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Come on, let's do that. Let's give him all the glory this morning. He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy to receive all the glory and the honor. Now, there is a large army of people that make this happen. How about a huge hand for all of our production team behind the scenes? How about the incredible musicians that have played? How about the wonderful singers that have sung this morning? Most of all, all the glory to Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Come on, the best applause for our Prince of Peace. He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. And we need your help. Some of the eight o'clock crowd stole the candles. Those are not gifts to go home with you. If you'd return those on your way out, our ushers are also prepared to receive those communion elements from you. Before we go, allow me to pray for you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, go with God. We'll see you next Sunday. Jesus' birthday party. God bless you.